What do the Stone Roses, Deftones, Slayer and, well, E17 have in common? Correct. They have all played at the birthplace of North Brewing Co, of course. Well, yes and no. Because before North Brewing, there was North Bar. Located on New Brigate Street in Leeds City Centre, the Seminole Craft Beer Bar would open its doors in 1997. And in the years that followed, it too would open up people's eyes and palates to a world of modern, exciting beer. It was a launchpad for countless local breweries and a gateway to a wealth of world-famous brands like Brooklyn Brewery, Erdinger and Sierra Nevada to enter the UK market. Founded by John Gingell and Christian Townsley, the impact that that bar has had on the craft beer sector cannot be understated. Hello and welcome to the Brewer's Journal podcast. My name is Tim Sheehan, editor of the Brewer's Journal. And I'm Ross McPherson. Before Christian and John were to open up that much-loved bar, they would meet during their role as glass collectors at the Town and Country Club in Leeds. Originally opened way back in 1885 as the Leeds Coliseum, the Grade 2 listed Gothic building would host a variety of circus shows and political events. Come 1992, that venue reopened as the Town and Country Club, it too hosting a raft of events, but this time of a musical nature. And if you're passing the venue today, located at 55 Cookridge Street, it has new owners in the form of O2 Academy Leeds. There wasn't really anything in, um, in Leeds. John, John, John's from um, Stockport, so he spent a lot of time in Manchester. And I think he always had a, a bit of an aspiration to do that. Yeah, I think he had, he had, a, he had a, a, an aspiration to, to, to open a bar one day from, from a pretty young age. But I, I'm from Sunderland and I really, there weren't really good, really good bars in Sunderland. And when we got to Leeds, when we met at the Town and Country Club in Leeds, we were working there as glass collectors. And there weren't really any good bars in, in Leeds. And he said, I'm going to open a bar. Do you, want to, do you want to join me? And that was it, really. And it was, you know, we, we, do a, we do a presentation with the staff when we get new staff in. So when we've got, say, five or six new, by the time we've got up to maybe five or six new members of the team, we did one just the other day, we, we sit down and do a, an hour-long chat through the history with that team. And we said to them, you know, if you can imagine Leeds as a landscape without, without any decent bars, it was all sort of, Mostly, mostly spitting sawdust Irish pubs or um, or rough boozers, and it was it was didn't feel like a very welcoming place to be in the city centre as a as a student. Felt a little intimidating, so we just wanted to open somewhere that felt that didn't feel like that, that appealed to people like us, that was open-minded and liberal and continental and had good table service. And we didn't for a minute think, you know, we thought we'd get the best. Well, we, we, we got a loan from John Smith to help set it up. So the beer range was was what they supplied. So we had Cronenberg, Guinness, Foster's, Beamish Red, pretty poor. But but the intention was to create an, a, a, an open, welcoming, friendly space for, for liberally minded people, I think, for, for want of a better term. For people like us, we, we opened about for people like us, I think a lot of businesses founded upon the needs of the founders. They identify a need in their life 
and solve it by by opening a business to to, to do that. And that, that that was ultimately what we did at North. And by the time we opened, there were maybe three or four, about three decent bars in Leeds, North, Mojo, a Porto at the time. I think that was about it. Um, and yeah, so there, there wasn't a, there wasn't a vast amount of quality bars. Following months of hard graft to get North Bar open, it took a little while for things to pick up. Sometimes making Christian and John even doubt if they'd made the right decision opening such a venue. But good things come to those who wait. And in time, that was good news for fans of great beer too. John and I helped build it. Not, you know, we're not technical, but we, we, we laboured on it day and night. Opened the bar and then we worked the bar day and night. And, it, and there was a, there was certainly, there were a couple of months of it being deathly quiet. And you, uh, you do start to wonder, you know, question, question that at times when you're tired and, and going to a dark place. But uh, we held our nerve, got really lucky because we're right beside the theatre. So that the, the crew at the theatre adopted us almost as their green room. And that, and that attracted, because they're really creative individuals, so that attracted a lot of people who were musical or artistic and found themselves working in, in the crew or in the orchestra at the, the theatre. But they were also well-travelled. So within about six months of opening, I think it was, we, we started to look into more interesting beers. And let me think, 96, 97. So we opened in 97, started to plan for the, uh, the World Cup in 98. And the idea was to get a beer for every country. And and I think we'd discovered Hall Garden a little bit before that. We'd, we'd stumbled across Hall Garden and started to sell that. I think we might have been able to get that through John Smith's actually, I'm not sure. But we we started to stumble, we started to look for interesting beers that represented each company in the in the, in the tournament. And that and so you started to discover incredible beers. And the and the crew who were who who were who treated it like a local had seen some of these beers because they'd travelled through Belgium or Germany or whatever on tour. By chance, there was a, 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 a lucky happening that you have people. Oh yeah, I've, I've seen that. I remember that. I remember having trying uh, Schneiderweiss or, or, or Duvel. We got really into it and really really excited by it. So. Um, so that was the start of us getting into, into interest in beer. The reality is, Cronenberg, we saw, and Guinness, we sold shed loads. It became a really busy bar. And we saw, we had the biggest Cronenberg account in the, in the north for John Smith's. And we had the biggest Guinness account in the north for John Smith's. Consider how many Irish pubs are knocking about. It's, it's unreal. You know, you'd ring up. I think it was one week. I think we ordered over 20, 50 litre kegs of Cronenberg. The success of that meant that we, we got through that alone quite quickly. And so as we could see that we were overachieving on the barrel age, we then started to play a bit more. And we'd, we'd met the guys at James Clay whilst looking for interesting beers. And so we started to bring, come in, work with them a lot more closely. And, and that is, that relationship really blossomed, really blossomed. And I think that the two businesses really helped each other massively. We, we acted, we became like a shop window for brands that they wanted to import or brands they wanted to, to launch in the UK and grow. So we, we had loads of firsts, like the first Erdinger on draft, Brooklyn, Schneiderweiss, Goose Island, loads of brands that they wanted to, to, to launch. 
they used us as a as a as a as a springboard for that. And it and it worked brilliantly for us because we became known for having those exclusives and having a really good beer range. And and then people would they would bring they would bring other customers to us and say, look, this is how look at look at people, how many people are drinking Erdinger in here. And, and so it would help them grow grow their sales as well. And we so we worked together really, really well like that. Before long, other brands came into the mix and the bar would go on to establish itself further as a go-to destination for fantastic beer. We are Sierra Nevada as well through, um, well, it's Kirksell now, isn't it? Kirksell Brewery, but, but Steve Holt, who at the time had vertical drinks importing and distributing. And yeah, we had the first Sierra Nevada on, which was those things. So we got, in, we got really into Belgian and German beer. That was what really excited us. Got really into Belgian and German beer. But then John and I, and it must have been 1998, 98 or 99. Um, do you know Oliver Payton, the restaurateur? He opened a venue in Manchester called Machinet. It was at the top of Canal Street. And I think, I think, I'm, I'm pretty sure Alistair Hook was the brewer there. So it was, a, it was a brew pub. It was so ahead of its time. The fit out was like space age. The, they had, like a peach wheat beer on that Alistair brewed or something like that. It was way ahead of its time. So Oliver Payton also had a place in Soho called The Atlantic. It was this incredible bar. You walked down all these stairs underground and it, and you walked into this, this, this huge room and it felt like you were in, uh, on the, the, uh, in the Titanic. It was the huge columns going, it was just incredible. And John and I were down there on a little sort of research trip, just looking for looking at for inspiration for the bar, and um, and they had Anchor Liberty Ale in bottles, and that was my first taste of an American beer that was good, and I sipped it and I was just like, oh my god, that is that's like nothing I've ever had. Those piney flavours, those resinous piney, um, that that character, and, um, and so that was that was our. That was when we started to get excited about American beer as well. There is no doubt that North Bar has helped grow craft beer in the UK and has also helped the North become synonymous with exciting modern beer. It was something, rather than being planned, that happened organically. While they were happy to be serving an ever-increasing selection of brilliant beers, Christian is grateful for the customers that were happy to try them too. I don't think we had any idea what we were doing really at the time. You know, it was... um, I feel we were lucky. We were lucky in that we had, we worked closely with James Clay. We then also worked closely with Vertical Drinks or, or Kirk. So we were lucky that the, the customers that we had and have still, you know, it, and although it'll be a new generation, but we had open-minded customers who were willing to try beers. And, and also we were, we were receptive to their advice and their, you know, they would people would come in and say, remember, um, I remember somebody coming in and saying, oh, I had this amazing Belgian beer and a dark, strong Belgian beer in a white bottle, and it was golden dry. And so then we would go and speak to James Clay. We we were we were at a at a beer festival uh, at a at a trade expo in Ghent. I think we were there with James Clay and we stumbled across um, Duchess de Bourgogne. We were like, oh my God, this is amazing. 
And we went and immediately went and spoke to to Ian Clay, who then imported it for us. And so we got, I think we were just, it was quite lucky. We, we were quite lucky in the, 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 the location being in Leeds, being near James Clay and near Vertical Drinks. The, the type of customer that we had that was that, that, were, that were open that are open-minded and and inquisitive and, and and willing to try things we 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 always worked really hard on training the staff on and tasting beer doing lots of tasting notes so we worked really hard on that you know knew that that was important and the quality of the service so our we always wanted to to have table service in a very continental way you know John and I used to go over to Belgium at least once a year, once or twice a year, or the Netherlands. And, and you know, obviously we'd beat, the, we'd beat the France and Spain and Italy, travelled in that way. And, and we were really inspired by a continental style of service, of table service. But, but the, obviously the, the British drinker is quite, the British drinker is a bit more enthusiastic than, uh, than a, than a um, mainland European drinker, perhaps with Germany being an exception. So it, all of the little parts put together were quite, uh, it was like a perfect um, environment for, for that to develop. The success of North Bar led the duo to open their second venue in 2005, a number that currently stands at eight in 2021. But rewind back to 2004 and a research trip to Copenhagen would light that fire of using something more hands-on with beer. Norrbrau Brewhouse can stake its claim to be the first real microbrewery in Denmark. Founded in 2003 by former Carlsberg brewmaster Anders Kissmeyer, the aim was to open people's eyes to a world of great beer. We walked in and we were like, this is class. This is class. And it was, it, the, 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 um, the brew house was fairly open and there was, there was seating outside of it. And then you went up some steps upstairs and there was a, they called it the brewer's table, which overlooked the brew house and the FVs. And the branding at the time we thought was really smart, really clean, and the building was lovely. And we we walked in there and went, this is 2004. We went, oh, it'd be class to do a brewery, wouldn't it? And and then we started to like mooch around and we were chatting. We went and looked at a couple of other, there were, there were a couple of small brew brew pubs in, in Copenhagen at the time. We went and talked to, to there was a, uh, uh, a female, a lady head brewer at one of the at one of these brew houses, and we were chatting to her and saying, "If you ever want to come over to England, get in touch with us because we'd love to set up a brewery and and you know tasting your beers, they're great." And so this was 2004, and then we started looking at a site in Leeds. So there's a site opposite the Cross Keys, an old engine house and part of the industrial estate, as in the Industrial Revolution. So a, a very old very historic Victorian engine house. And we looked at that and it was amazing, but I mean, the money that was required to set it up was, was, was way beyond our means. We had all these fanciful ideas. We went through to um, the Maltster Fawcett's at, at Castleford and looked at, you know, we, we, ha- we started to join all the dots and sort of bring it all together. And it just, we just got distracted opening bars so we opened the Cross Keys and then we opened further north and then we did Alfred and we kept on doing that. And then in, so that was in 2004. In 2014 or 15, James, our designer, came to us and said, I think North Bar needs a rebrand. 
And, uh, and we were like, all right. And he said, I would like to pitch an idea to you. I said, okay. So he and another company or two pitched to us an idea to rebrand North Bar. And he came back with this, this, this huge brochure, this weighty brochure with loads of imagery and, and the new North Bar, Bar logo. And it was really well done, really, really well done. And then at the back, he had, he'd adapted the logo from North Bar to North Brewing Co. And we looked and we went, ah, oh, shit, we've got to do a brewery, haven't we? <laughs> so, so that was, yeah. And, and, and it, you know, we were a little bit bigger. We, we started to, I think we just, at that point, we were like, look, we've got to crack on here. You know, so that's six years ago. So we were both about, I was 40 or thereabouts. John's, John's a couple of years older than me. But we, we were both like, we've got to stop talking about this and do it. And that's what happened. Around that time, one Seb Brink was plying his trade as a ukulele teacher. He also enjoyed cuckoo brewing for his own business, Golden Owl, too. A regular of North's Alfred Bar, word reached him that North were looking to expand into brewing their own beer. So Seb was cuckoo brewing. So he was a music teacher teaching kids. He'd go around schools in Leeds teaching kids music by playing, playing the ukulele. He's really good. He's a very good drummer as well. He's just musically, he is, he's really, really um, talented. This is, he's actually, he's like some sort of uh, polymath. He, he, he's, he seems to be able to do anything he puts his hand to. So um, he was cuckoo brewing and so it turned out we were buying beer off him. He had a, a, a little cuckoo brewery called Golden Owl. And we were talking about wanting to do a brewery. And one of our bar managers, he was delivering beer or sitting in the bar drinking. And she said to him, Chris and John are looking at opening a brewery. They need a, they're going to need a brewer. You should have a word. And then the word got to us, Seb, you know, Seb's decent. And we were tasting his beer and it was good. So we got together and we were chatting about it and it was like a little sort of just sort of romance blossoming. And then one day he rocked up and went, all right, so I've quit my job. What? I've handed my notice in. Um, and we're like, okay, you've got a, a house and a family. <laughs> yeah, we're doing a brewery, aren't we? Okay, yeah, we're doing a brewery. So, uh, so we had to crack on. And he, he brewed... Um, he brewed Trans, he, he, we got together when we agreed everything and he said, right, well, I better brew a beer that you can, what would you like? What would you like? And we'd been, we'd launched, um, we were Magic Rock's first customer. So North Bar launched Magic Rock and from them opening or from them brewing Cannonball, we had a permanent Cannonball tap and it was, it was such a popular beer in North, one of our favorites. And, and we said, well, why don't you do something like that? which was quite West Coasty, wasn't it? And he, he, well, he went away and came back and went, right, I've done something that's sort of a little in between, a bit of a hybrid between West and East. And he brought it into the, to meet us. And it was uh, just the three of us. And John was full of cold and couldn't taste or smell anything. Um, Seb was really, really quite nervous, I think. And he brought these beers in, popped them open. And as soon as I smelled it, I was like, oh my God. And, and I've told this story a few times, so I'm, I'm, I'm a little more numb to it now, but it used to almost bring a tear to my eye and I nearly wept that day because I was just like, 
shit, he's knocked this out of the park on the first go. It's unreal. And it was unreal. But he's tinkered with the recipe over the, year, over the years. And, and, and it's funny, John and I were chatting about this in our company intro to the staff the other day. And uh, so like one of our values is, um, is continuous improvement. And, and John said, he said, you've got to be, sometimes you've got to take a bit of a leap of faith with that because when transmission tastes amazing and Seb says, yeah, I'm just going to tinker with the recipe. Ever. So you're like, no, 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 no. You've got to, got to trust him in that, well, it's going to be all right. If he thinks there's room for improvement, then, and I'm, I'm confident that he's, that he's right. But yeah, so that's the story of how Seb came to us and, and we opened, we got the keys to our first site on the 1st of September, 2015. And we launched the brewery, well, we opened the tap room with beer on the 27th of November. We'd done like a pre-launch party at North Bar back in the May with Transmission and Sputnik, I think. And then, um, yeah, and then and then launched the actual brewery on the on the twenty seventh of November, I think it was that year. Um, and we 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 thought we would so we had a twenty five hectolitre brew house and four twenty five hectolitre FVs, and we thought that was way more than we needed. We were like, we'll we'll go big. <laughs> North launched with Transmission and also Sputnik, a five percent American pale ale. A Kolsch Herzog would follow along with Full Fathom 5, a coffee coconut porter. Beers that are still part of North's offering today. And what was important to the team was having a strong, reliable core range of beers. We are where we are, and I'm dead proud of the beers that, that, that Seb's produced in the core range. And also, I think, from the bar point of view, from, from North Bar and our range of bars, we needed some consistency. And so we needed, we needed an IPA, we needed a pale ale, we needed to have those consistent beers. And I do think that it's helped Seb, A, show his strength as a brewer, because to brew the same beer over and over again requires a great level of skill. But it also has helped him identify and, and tweak recipes ever so slightly so that customers don't notice over time, but, but look for constant improvement. And also, it, it gave, I think it's helped get give us the confidence in him to say, look, you do what you want. There have been times when he said, oh, I'm going to do an IPA. Um, I want to do a dipper. What, what, uh, are, you, are, you, are you worried about the price or the ingredients? And I'm just like, no, you just do what you want. And, and, you, and then I'll worry about the pricing. I'll worry about the selling the beer. You, you, do, you make a great beer and, and I'll figure out how to sell it. While the team launched with capacity that they assumed would be more than they'd require, it would soon become apparent that the brewery would outstrip that capacity pretty quickly. We've had a few, we've had a few moments over over that last eighteen months, two years at, at Taverners, where we were like, right. So we, we started off with one unit there, one two thousand square foot unit, and and the unit next door was open, and um, was sorry, was empty. And the guy, this is back in so two thousand fifteen, about two thousand sixteen, maybe. Early 2016, the guys from Four Pure in town, and we used to do. They, they came down and visited because we used to do a Four Pure event around um, Leeds International Beer Festival at North Bar. So they were up in 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 Leeds, and um, and they, they said, you know, that unit next door is empty. And we said, yeah. And they said, 
have you got that? We said, no. And they said, you better get it because you're going to need it. And we, it must have been, yeah, early 2016. And we were like, uh, really? And they were like, yeah, you're going to need it. You're going to, you're going to grow and you're going to need it. So we, we got hold of that. And before we knew it, we needed it. And then, um, and then another unit came up on the, on the estate and we took that on and, and, you know, very quickly, we were, so this must have been 2017, 18, 2018. And we were like, right, we're going to, this is, we can see what's happening here. So around 2018, we started to consider what, what our options were. And they're, they're, they're limited because you want an inspirational space. You don't want to be too far from Leeds City Centre. You want it to, to be big. And it was that was it was a bit of a challenge. So we started looking around and we got again, we got quite lucky with this site. So we were doing a collaboration with Northern Block Ice Cream, an ice cream inspired beer. And Dirk, the owner of Northern Block, was was at Taverners Walk, was at our site. And he said, uh, he said he was looking around, he went, he said, You're running out of space here, aren't you? We said, Yeah, yeah, yeah. He said, he said, I've got an offer on a building. He said, I woke up this morning and I'm, he said, I can't think what I'm going to do with it. He said, so I'm going to pull the offer, but I think you might like it. Would you like to come and view it? And we're like, yeah, yeah. So we came and looked and it was this site. And we're like, oh my God, it's perfect. And he said, right, well, I'm going to buy the building if you'll rent it. And we're like, yep, okay. So we bought the building and then the pandemic hit. And we hadn't, we hadn't signed the lease. And at that point, Christian, John and the team knew that there were some challenging decisions to be made. So in late March 2020, they met with the landlord to work out where they stood. So this is, this is what, March was it 27th or something last year. So we, we hadn't signed the lease. And uh, so like a week after lockdown, we got together and had a cup of tea. Um, or it was probably beer, and said, and he, and he was like, right, what, what, what's happening? And he was, he's been dead cool with us. He's been really, really cool with us. We've got a great relationship. But um, he said, he was obviously a bit twitchy. You know, he just spent a lot of money buying this building. We hadn't signed the lease. And, uh, and we said, you know what? Let's crack on. Let's crack on because we believe in it. We believe in the team. We believe in the brand. We believe in what we're doing believe in the beers and we've spent five years without a salesperson we've been we've been constantly been short of beer every single time where we've thought we need to add more tanks so that first time we had four 25 hectoliters within a year we'd ordered another two 50 hex so we were like right we're doubling our capacity and then within a year, we're ordering another eight 50 hex, which we, and it kept on, you know, it just kept on happening. And, and we found ourselves chasing our tail and we said, look, we've been doing this for too long now. So we believe in it all. We believe in the opportunities out there. Let's crack on. So we said, okay, well, you know, and this is right at the start of the pandemic. Everything's closed. All of our bars were closed and we, we really genuinely believed, like the, we had some dark moments, John and I, where we, we really thought we were going to lose all the bars. 
Um, that you know, really genuinely did. Um, and but we we believed in this and thought we believed in the bars, but it, it, at times it looked inevitable with, with what was going on. So we we said right, we'll we'll sign the lease, we'll crack on. So that was yeah, April May last year. And then John tweeted yesterday, I think it was, he'd got a Facebook memory of us, of, of the site. And, and just as we'd started building work, because we were a little naive, you know, we came in here thinking, oh, it was an old steelwork. So the floor will be fine. We'll just stick some FVs on it. And the, the architect came down and went, nah, that floor's no good. The, you know, they did a structural, they had an engineer do a report on the floor. It was like, nah, you can't put FVs full of liquid on that. 450 hectolitres down the middle. So you can't do that. So we had to we had to put a new slab down on the whole floor, which was quite expensive. The building's former role as a tannery also saw some foundation work taking place. All of this while the global pandemic threatened the long-term existence of the bars that had led the team to this point in the first place. However, they pulled through and the kit out of the new brewery continued in earnest. The centerpiece of the new Springwell Brewery is a 50 hectolitre brew house from Gravity Systems and a fantastic 500-seater tap room. And with the reopening of hospitality in April of this year, what better time to open the doors, starting with outdoors only, of course, to the new brewery. Christian and the team just wish they could have marked the occasion in a bigger way. And we haven't had a launch party, so it's really frustrating. We've always done that. We've always had... We've always invited friends, industry, family down and had a big party, and we didn't do it. Because there's no point. You couldn't you couldn't socialise, not in a true way. So um, that was a bit frustrating. But, you know, looking back at the year, I mean, I think in some ways, well, it's okay because this is a big venue and it's given us the chance to, to work on getting it right and iron out little issues and technology and, and bits and bobs. But also, I look back at the last year and I, I am... You know, in some ways, the pandemic has, I, I, I don't mean this to sound in any way sort of um, nonchalant for the, for, the, for the pain and trouble that people have had and, and loss that people have incurred. But, but in some ways it was, the timing was quite fortuitous to us because there's no way on earth John and I would have, John and Seb and I would have been able to manage a project like this, building this brewery in normal times. Because we, we, John and I were, are, we're out of, in normal times. We're out of the country once a month, at least once a month. We'd we'd be out of the Leeds overnight in a different city or town at least once a week. Seb was away a lot, and it was there's no way this would have happened without a catalogue of errors had we not been here. And also, I think the building of this was fortuitous for us because. Had we gone through the pandemic, just focusing on the just having the the, the 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 situation with the bars to focus on, I think we'd have we'd have cracked up. You know, this this kept us sane to a degree. North marked the opening of its new facility with the eponymous Springwell Pills. Springwell Pills is a crisp and refreshing pilsner, brewed using German pilsner malt and Kerrygold. It has a light, clean, and fresh profile whilst the light dry hop of modern German Callista and noble Mittelfra finishes the beer with a delicate, tart gooseberry, fresh herb and floral characteristics. Beers such as Springwell Pills are brewed in significantly bigger batches than their previous site was capable of, 
just one of the many benefits Norse's fantastic new home has to offer. The potential for us to brew more and in, in bigger batches is um, that's massive for us. You know, we over the years, so um, Fay, who responsible for the, the distribution of, well, the, the allocation of stock, has a really hard time. She's got a tough job. You know, she's got, she'll be like, right, we can have this much to export. We'll have this much for distribution. We'll have this much for the bars, this much for local delivery, this much for the web shop. She's constantly trying to manage to keep everybody happy. So if we brew something, if we brew a special here and we brew 100 hectolitres, uh, so double brew it to two FVs, that gives her a little bit of comfort that she can keep everybody happy. The Springwell Pills has been a phenomenal success and the ability to, um, to brew much bigger batches of that is, is important to us. But the site itself, it's been, we've been so lucky with the team, with the whole team, the whole, across the whole company, the bars and the, the brewery and the head office, in how everybody worked last year, how everybody responded, how creative and hardworking and flexible they all were. Been so lucky that, that that's got us through it. So in some ways, building this feels like a reward to the team because we've created an office environment where people can really enjoy coming in and being here. And you know, we've got we've got showers so people can come, they can cycle to work or run to work, they can go for a run at lunchtime. We're building a gym upstairs. We've we've got a little secret garden out the back that we're developing so that there's a little space there for the team to go and chill out with, you know, surrounded by trees and birdsong and, and Springwell as a site and as a venue, as um, as a brewery tap, is so much more than I dreamed would ever do here, uh, that, that would ever achieve. And and I want, you know, what we want to do here is 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 um, create something that's a really exciting space, but also is a, um, a space for the brand. I use the word brand. I use that quite a bit. And I always feel a little bit, uh, sorry, I'm digressing here. I always feel a little bit uncomfortable saying it, like it's a dirty word. I think it's, I think it's fine. I see Springwell as being, a, um, I think it's, we see it as being a beacon for that, as being a space where, where the community can come, where the beer community can come, where breweries, where, where we, can, we can share this space. And we share this space all of our teams, you know, we've said to all of our staff, look, if you want to, if you part-time staff who are studying, if they want to come and sit down here and sit on the mezzanine at a table, work on their their dissertation and help themselves to coffee or have a beer at the end of the day, that's totally cool. We, you know, we, we want this place to be really inclusive for the whole, for, for our brewery, our office, our bar teams, for the community, it's, and we're really excited about what this space will become. The Brewers Journal podcast is a production of Reby Media, produced and hosted by me, Tim Sheehan. And me, Ross McPherson. Sound engineering, also by Ross McPherson. Series supervision by John Young. The executive producer is Rory Harris. Special thanks to Christian Townsley and the team at North Brewing Co.